This is the Law Podcasting Podcast, where you learn how to use modern media to get your message out and more good clients to your law practice. Here's your host, Gordon Firemark. Well, hello again, everybody. Welcome back to episode number 29 of the Law Podcasting Podcast. I'm your host, Gordon Firemark, and this is the show where I talk to lawyers who podcast so you can see how they use the power of podcasting in support of their businesses, even if they're not specifically podcasting about the law. My guest today is Zachary Strebeck. Zach is a California attorney that represents game developers, software developers, and new media creators. He's also a digital nomad who runs his law practice virtually while traveling all over the world. He runs the Game Lawyer blog on his law firm website at strebecklaw.com, as well as A Lawyer Abroad, a legal resource for bloggers and internet businesses. That's alawyerabroad.com. And his new podcast is called Legal Moves, legalmovespodcast.com, which focuses on business and legal issues that game developers face. Zach, thanks so much for being with us. You are welcome. It's good to be here. <laughs> yeah. Let's start out with this nomadic lawyer thing. How did that come okay. about? How did it come about? Well, <laughs> it goes back to about halfway through law school. Mm -hmm. I, I, I graduated in 2013. So around 2012, I read Tim Ferriss's four-hour work week, which a lot of digital nomads sort of oh, that's yeah. how they that's how they started. It's the old Bible uh -huh. for us where, <laughs> you know, he talks about lifestyle design and, and really designing your life around how you want to live it rather than following the usual script mm -hmm. that people are going by. Um, so I, at first, I thought it would be cool, but I never really wanted to do that. I never wanted to be an entrepreneur until I met you, actually. Uh -huh. <laughs> you sort of inspired me to uh, go out on my own and, and Don't start blame my own me, business. man. <laughs> <laughs> but I figured the two of them kind of work together. They, they work together really well, actually. Mm -hmm. If you start your own business, you can do it online. You can live anywhere and you can live however you like. Um, and so I, I tailored my practice specifically to be things that I could do virtually. Either most of it is contract drafting, but there are some things like setting up LLCs and corporations that can be done through third-party services sure. like Parasec and, mm -hmm. uh, and the like. So uh, that's basically the scope of my services. They're all things that I can do virtually. Mm -hmm. And my clients actually get a kick out of it. They love it. <laughs> They're <laughs> okay. all very excited to hear where I am. And you know, most of the emails, especially from returning clients, are... Where are you? How's everything going? And yeah. then they go into their problem, which is so, uh, it's pretty so exciting. So you graduated from law school in, you said, 2013. Correct. And you studied for and took the bar. Mm -hmm. And then, as I recall, you were pretty much on a plane right after the bar exam, yeah? It was about a month and a half after. Okay. Yeah. Sold my car. I sold basically everything I own except for my laptop and enough to fit in a big backpack. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's basically how I've been traveling for, it's been about 16 months or so okay. since then. It, do you have a place you call your home base? Not really. I have a virtual mailbox mm -hmm. address where all my mail goes, it gets scanned in and I can uh, read it or shred it. Um, I have maybe a crate of stuff at a friend's house okay. in Santa Clarita and I have some stuff with uh, other family members, but nothing really there's no place that I would say is my home. Okay. So no. Okay. So how much of, of what you're doing when you're doing this nomadic thing is actually traveling around going from city to city and country to country? And how much is just sort of picking a place and sitting down and living there for a while? Right. Most of the places. So I'll find a place. And actually the last few times I've been in Southeast Asia, it's been in Bangkok, Thailand, where mm -hmm. I'll get an apartment for three or four months uh, and then 
during uh, visa runs or <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> intermittently throughout those few months, I'll take a week or two and, and travel to somewhere like Vietnam or Malaysia. Um, so there's sort of a home base. It's a temporary home base. Yeah, and, okay. and it's more cost effective to travel. They call it slow travel where you stay mm -hmm. for a month or two months or three months or even a year yeah. in, a, in a place. And you can do small jaunts out to different countries. But, you know, the real cost of travel is that plane fare going from one. Yeah. Uh, one continent to another or getting an expensive hotel for a week using, rather than getting an apartment for three months, which is much, much cheaper. And you're using things like Airbnb to, to find rentals or are you just on the general local economy when you go looking for, an apartment? I use, I use a site called agoda.com, which oh. is a, it's a hotel site and you could, but you can usually find, I mean, I stay in hostels. I stay, I'm pretty, as a new business person, <laughs> I try to keep costs low so lean. that my entire overhead is low. Right. So, <laughs> okay. uh, you know, I'm living in hostels and I'm living in uh, sort of, I wouldn't say low rent hotels, but they, they are literally low rent. I paid $180 a month for my room in Thailand. A so, month. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> right, <laughs> that's what so. I pay for groceries for my family in a week. <laughs> exactly. But, um, so, uh, well, it sounds like those are some of the advantages. Now, you're talking about Southeast Asia. So, Right. Um, and that's why it's as affordable as it is for you. If you were trying to right. live in Europe or something, it might not be. No, that's so. my, that's my tier two continent. When I get, when I, uh, start <laughs> making more money, I, I will jump up to Europe. Uh, but actually the next year, early next year, I'm planning to do a whole, uh, I'm going to Mexico and then I'm going maybe to South or Central America and then South America. Mm -hmm. And I'm planning to be gone for about at least over a year. Mm -hmm. Like I said, it's much more cost effective to get there and stay there. That's a great way to sort of lengthen your your financial runway when you're trying to get something yeah. off the ground too. As long as the business will will survive you not being, you know, present in the city where you quote are are headquartered or whatever. But right. yeah, that's great. Well, my my burn rate is very low. Yeah. As they say. Talk about some of the other advantages. I mean, the obvious advantages yep. of being able to travel and, and enjoy yourself. But go on. Oh, other advantages. Let me think. I mean, I get to. It, there's personal advantages where I mean, the sort of things that come from travel. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I get to meet new people. I get to experience all these new things. It, professional advantages. It's hard to, hmm. well, it's hard, it's hard to beat. It's uh -huh. sort of being local and being in a place and yeah. having an office and all of that stuff. Yeah. The, the traditional law firm, uh, yeah. the way things work. Talk about the hard. office thing also. Cause I know that, sure. um, the listeners are going to get the sense that we know each other pretty well and we'll talk about how that happened right. I'm sure as we right. go but um, from talking to you I know that you have actually rented office uh, well not not office yes. space but virtual office space where you're located when you're in Thailand or Vietnam or whatever you've managed to find a place to work yeah yeah it's a service called Regis mm -hmm. they have a service called uh, Business World where mm -hmm. basically in every major city in the in the country mm -hmm. or, in, or in the world, yeah. they have various locations where they'll have a floor in a, of an office building and you go up there and they have a big uh, business lounge where it's two or three cubicles and then there's a bench with a bunch of tables mm -hmm. or um, they have free internet, free coffee, free nice. tea, all this stuff. So it's like you're going to an office. Mm -hmm. It's just everywhere and it's not very expensive. And you can sort of just camp out there all day and get your stuff done and do your calls and do your, your email and whatever you need yep. to be doing and then go home there's to supposed the... to be a limit but uh they've never actually bothered mm -hmm. me about it so mm -hmm. and if you need a meeting room sometimes when i i would record video mm -hmm. things i would rent an office for an hour just yeah. to record that so that at least there's an office in the background and i'm not bothering all the other people that are that are there uh that's it's 15 20 i think for the hour so it's it's fairly it's very cost effective mm -hmm. 
it's better than going to a cafe and working there and having yeah. to drink coffee all day. <laughs> Keep buying uh, more cups, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so you mentioned you do some video and you have recently started a podcast. Is that doing that media stuff? Do, you, do clients seem to get a sense of you from that? Is that is that um, substitute for the in-person meeting, do you think? I think so. Mm-hmm. I think that <clears throat> actually – I think I've only met two of my clients that I have. Okay. Uh, most of them, all the other ones have, are in person. I mean, all the other ones I've just met virtually. We've done, I've done Skype video chats, but most of them uh, I haven't actually met in person. I'm actually excited because in a couple of weeks I'll be at Gen Con, which is a big mm-hmm. board game convention. I get to meet all of my board gaming clients because nice. they're all going to be there. Um, yes, I feel like it's Im- it's imperative that I inject my personality into everything I do. So that's why it's good mm-hmm. to have the podcast. That's why it's good to have a blog that's a little more informal. Yep. It's not, uh, you know, it's not, it's somewhere between informal and formal, yeah. I think. But you have to have some some personality. You have to be on Twitter and, and talking to people. Sure. Um, if you're someone that they'll never actually be able to meet, especially mm-hmm. when you're working with younger, you know, a lot of my clients are younger or, uh, you know, the game developers, they're not serious business people. Yeah. So you don't want to be the stuffy lawyer. <laughs> There's already a lot of prejudice against business types and, yeah. and lawyers in the, with the people I work with. I was just so. going to say, I think that some of this is cultural with the kinds of clients that you serve. Right. Uh, being open to, and frankly, you know, in the game development community and the software development, they're sort of already used to offshoring and outsourcing a lot of the stuff that they do, the coding and, the, and some of the design right. and things like that. So um, it, it's sort of logical that they'd be okay with offshoring and outsourcing the legal to someone who doesn't necessarily have to have you mm-hmm. said have the overhead of an office in in a major city in LA in California or something and so that's right. good now you recently started your podcast what what's t- again what's it called it's called legal moves legal moves it's a play on it's a double entendre mm-hmm. of legal moves that you can make and is it a legal move in a board game let's yeah. say in a chess or something so Right on. In case the audience didn't get that. So what was it that Um, led you to the idea of podcasting? Sorry, I didn't interrupt. No, no problem. Um, Back when I was in law school, I was your associate producer on the Entertainment Law Update podcast. Well, actually, let me take it back even further. Before I even thought about law school, I was listening to video game podcasts and uh, board game podcasts, things, you know, uh, I don't have many friends that are into that stuff. Mm -hmm. So when you get on a podcast and you listen to basically three nerds talking about board games or video (laughs) games for two hours, it's like you're there. It's like you have these friends now that are playing games. It's pretty great. Mm -hmm. So that sort of got me into the world of podcasting, listening to all this stuff. I didn't have any friends that were tech literate. So I would listen to Leo Laporte's podcast Mm -hmm. because it's then like I have these friends, these virtual friends that are into uh, technology. Um, And then... Uh, that's what sort of turned me on to working with you is mm-hmm. that we were going to be working on a podcast. I thought it was very interesting. It was a good opportunity. Yeah. And I really enjoyed that. Um, I never thought I would have my own podcast, just like I never thought I would start my own business. Uh, or travel the world to, you know, yeah, without exactly. a home, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm basically not in any place that I thought I would. But okay. the I started off doing a segment for a bigger board game podcast, mm-hmm. a podcast called The Dice Tower. They They – you know, have 30,000 listeners on every show. I mean, it's, it's got a big audience, I think. Mm-hmm. That's big for me anyway. Yeah. Um, so I just did a small segment, a few minutes, called Legal Moves, and they, they liked it. I got good reaction from the audience. And over the last year, I've done six or seven segments, not, not too often. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that, at some point, I just thought, well, I might as well take this brand and make it into uh, its own thing, yeah. right, rather than just being on the, uh, as a segment. 
Okay. So are you a techie geeky kind of guy? Was setting it up something that sort of came naturally to you? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I started, I built my own website. I <laughs> build all these things. I mean, it's all basic. I don't have any tech people. Uh-huh. I, I love to do it. This is, this is the fun stuff. Lawyering, being a lawyer is fun, but I love setting up all these things and mm-hmm. recording the podcast. And, you know, you as a sound guy, you probably yeah. really get a kick out of sure. doing this. Kind of love stuff. playing with my toys. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I, yes, I, I, I love to, I mean, I'm not really a sound guy and the microphone stuff. And that's where, you know, you and your course and mm-hmm. your advice helped me a lot. Definitely. Okay. So have you, I mean, it's, it's pretty early. How many episodes have you got on your show now? Just three. I just released the third episode. Um, but there were about seven episodes before that. You've that, got some of those but, smaller segments published as right. episodes also. Right. Okay. So it's only been a short time, but are you seeing a benefit in your practice from what you've been doing in this regard? Over the last year? Yes, I've definitely had, <clears throat> I've had people listen to the show and either other lawyers. I, I've had a few lawyers who are also gamers say, wow, it's great that you're doing that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really interesting. And, you know, those are referral sources for the future. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had actual clients hear me on there and be interested, you know, because smartly or whatever, I talk about potential legal pitfalls that game developers couldn't fall into. So they then contact me and say, well, I don't want that to happen to me. Let's let's talk. Is okay. this is this going to be a problem or do I need this agreement? And so, yeah, it's definitely turned into work for me. Okay. So a few episodes in, were there any hurdles that you encountered? Any speed bumps along the way? I, well, I wanted to, I, I wanted to get fancy and have, I was reading a podcast setup that was on the internet and they had uh, different channels coming into Skype and all these other external programs going. And I did, I set it up and it didn't work. So that, <laughs> okay. I mean, after I fiddled with that for hours and realized that I was wasting my time and I just, you know, plugged in the recording software to Skype and just uh-huh. record the the sound. I, I think people don't really get too uh, crazy about the the technical, you know, are the voices all exactly the same level and all right. those things. Uh, I'm not a perfectionist in that regard, mm-hmm. I, as long as it sounds good. And then I run everything through Auphonic anyway, and it kind of normalizes all the levels. So yeah, all that messing around in the beginning was really a huge waste of time. And especially when you're first getting started, I think just get it going. You know, the more you can start producing, everything's not going to sound professional, but you're going to learn as you go. And it's always going to get better. Okay. So I don't know if that answered your question. It did. Just getting everything set up the way I wanted and okay. simple was the technical hurdle. Yeah, and, and being that you're traveling a lot, you mm-hmm. obviously need to be able to haul your gear with you. You can't afford to have a studios right. full of stuff. You, you know, so talk about your gear. What, what do you got? Okay. I have an audio technica ATR. Hold on. I'm looking at it. 2100. 2100. There you go. <laughs> if it's uh, on your recommendation and that's it. It plugs into my computer and I have my uh, Apple iPhone headphones that I listen to with and that's it. And you Skype. Re- Skype. And I record. Okay. Yeah. Just record the Skype conversation. Okay. And if you're not doing an interview format, then you just record in GarageBand or Audacity? Correct. Or, okay. I record. In, well, actually I was recording in QuickTime audio, just opening oh. QuickTime, recording the audio and then mm-hmm. taking that into GarageBand because, and this is another technical hurdle. I didn't understand what was going on in GarageBand. It's yeah. kind of intimidating if you don't know what's going on. And there are all these reverb settings that I eventually figured out, but mm-hmm. 
I was wondering why everything sounded echoey. It was driving me crazy. <laughs> but it automatically reverbs your voice for some reason. Oh, that's interesting. So, I didn't realize. I think that. it might, maybe it's the old version. There was mm-hmm. the one where 605, I think it's the one where you could actually select a podcast and it automatically puts a reverb filter on your voice that it makes no sense. I, I, yeah, I was going to say that's more sort of common for vocals in a music situation. For mm-hmm. podcasts, you'd want yeah. it what we call dry. So, right. Uh, yeah. Right. Interesting. So the show is called Legal Moves. Talk a little more about the format of the show. Okay. Well, I started off, I had big ideas. I wanted to go through the la- the latest news. So we go through a few news stories after we introduce the guests. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I should start back at the beginning. It's me, and I usually try to get one or two guests on the show. Um, I, I Before I started, I lined up guests for the first five or six weeks, mm-hmm. um, which with two each. I think three people is a better conversation than two. Okay. As far as I'm concerned. I don't know. You may disagree. Well, we we have there, there must be an elephant in the room or something. I don't know. Right. <laughs> anyway, go on. Um, for me, anyway, I, yeah. I feel like all the pressure isn't necessarily on me. I'm, I've never been a host. It's or a, a conversation before. that way, not an interview. Uh, yeah, I get it. Right. right. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so uh, we start off with some news. I try to get news stories, and maybe that's going back to the entertainment law update mm-hmm. days, where <laughs> I think that it's good to sure. get what's local. Uh, although there isn't that much game law. Uh, news out there mm-hmm. every day. So usually it's interesting articles I've read or, or something like that that we could just talk about, some springboard for discussion. Then we, I have questions that people asked me over the last year while I was posting the other podcast on the, on, mm-hmm. and so I have all these game law questions that I bring up and most of the guests don't really know anything about the law, but mm-hmm. uh, a lot of them, I, I like to get their advice on the business side of things. So, sure. They can give me their answers, and then I sort of interject the legal aspect to it. Mm-hmm. And then I have a main topic of the show, and each one will have, you know, should you be partnering up with other developers, or should you try to go solo? Mm-hmm. How do you work with a partner, or a publisher? We talked about raising money on Kickstarter and the business and legal issues that go through that. Mm-hmm. So each uh, each show is going to have a main topic that we're going to be discussing. Mm-hmm. How do you land it. on those topics? Um, I just think of the things that either I've blogged about before or people have asked me about and when they, or a specific guest. Like, for instance, my next guests are people that do reality-based games, which mm-hmm. are, I don't know if you've seen Escape Rooms and uh, things like that. Mm, no, I, I don't know. It's basically they put, they put the guests in a room and the room has a lot of uh, keys and, and puzzles to figure out. But mm. it's like a real-life video game. It's very. It's a it's physical actually very space. Cool. They're actually playing in real-world space. Right. Oh, right. Wow. So th- there's a whole industry surrounding these real-world games. Yeah. And I have a guy who does escape rooms and a guy who does um, sort of live-action laser tag spy games in the middle of San Francisco. So oh, I've wow. got them both coming on. And I can just – it's more me geeking out about this cool new game type. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't know if there's too many legal issues to talk about, but – It'll be exciting. I can think of a half a dozen, you know, <laughs> right, right off the bat. I mean, it's not just intellectual property. There's there's right. real life civil law, you yes, know, liability yes. kinds of concerns. Criminal. It's not necessarily stuff, my yeah. forte, but um, I will definitely get their opinion on, uh, get, on all those issues. But it's an open discussion. That sounds like that yeah. sounds really interesting. Yeah. Cool. So, um, and and you said, is, is there ever any just lecture by you kind of stuff, or it's always a conversation? That was how the old episodes used to be. Okay. Um, in the latest one. For instance, someone asked me about <clears throat> how do you, what if, how can you use another game's trademark within yours? And mm-hmm. I 
sort of lectured to them. <laughs> Just I, I had prepared my notes for this lecture about uh, Rogers v. Grimaldi and, mm-hmm. and those tests and how the First Amendment works with trademarks. So there is a little bit of that, but I try to make it more of a conversation because I'd rather it was just hearing legal stuff is very sometimes very dry yeah. for non-legal folks. <laughs> um, in my old segments that I was posting on the other podcast, they were only two or three minutes long, so mm-hmm. that's fine. But in a long-form podcast and this one gets very long. I didn't. I wasn't anticipating it being so long, but okay. Uh, it's, so your show is more client facing. So so you're not. Right. Um, you, yeah, you are trying to. You know, I don't want to say bring it down, but to simplify and clarify things for for your audience. And yeah, definitely, um, yeah. Uh, do you know what your listener numbers are so far? I mean, are you getting an audience? <laughs> They're not big. Well, um, it's three episodes, in, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I. Buzzsprout is the host I use, and they have sort of a listener total, and it's gone from 80 down to 40. I think it's sort of settled at 40. Okay. Uh, I think as I get maybe more popular guests or the guests start uh, you know, Their building own social, up, yeah, then, then, yeah. Yeah, then we'll get out there more. But sure. I'm not necessarily concerned about that. It's one of those things where if I go to look at a podcast and there's two episodes, I'm not going to be yeah. very excited about it. But if you just happen to see it yeah. and there are 20 episodes or 40 episodes, you how, see that it's going on and you're going to be able to keep listening. How to often so, are you doing the show? Uh, every week. Okay. But I just – the can. last one I recorded was almost two hours long. So I actually split it up into sure. three episodes. So three weekly episodes out of that, That's which nice. is good. Great. And it's great, uh, great to batch things a little bit anyway. Get a few in the yeah. can so you can cover yourself if you're not feeling well or whatever. Yep. Um, yeah. And and just a, a point for you on the numbers question mm-hmm. is, you know, uh, how often do you as a lawyer, how often do any of us as a lawyer get to stand in front of a room full of 40 people and, and talk to them? Right. Um, exactly. So 40 is nothing to sneeze at. It's not 4,000. 40 more than we're hearing me uh, three weeks ago. Exactly. And so. it's 40 people who know you and see you. You've positioned yourself as a knowledgeable thought leader in the area of game and software development law. And that's the whole point, isn't it? Right. Well, I'll tell you this. Since I started that three weeks ago, I've, this is the third interview that someone's asked me to do. Uh, I think just based on the fact that I started podcasting. Wow. Okay. So, so great at uh, positioning and and yes. uh, public relations kind of a thing. That's that's fantastic. So uh, I'm going to take from that answer that you feel it's been worth it. Yeah. I, oh, absolutely. I mean, just beyond the professional advantages that it's given me i just have a great time i love talking you know like i said before why i listened to those podcasts before this is why i want to do podcasting so i can actually talk with game developers for a long time and really pick their brains and Mm -hmm. see what they're doing Mm -hmm. it helps me advise my other clients because now i know more about their industry um yeah it it gives me connections i start to get connections with other people and i can always ask them hey what sort of royalty percentage you're getting on this or, or any kind of questions about their specific experiences yeah. always helps me professionally and personally. So, and, and it gives you a reason to call somebody call, you know, sort of cold call somebody that, you know, if you were just trying to yep. sell your legal services, it would be a whole different experience of making that call, wouldn't it? Absolutely. Or that email, whatever. Yeah. So talk about your workflow a little bit. How do you, how much prep do you go and put into the show? Not a huge amount. You got me in the habit of having show notes set mm-hmm. up beforehand, but I, I don't do as much as we did where there's a lot of research. Mm-hmm. It depends on the story, I guess. Sure. If it's something where I'm just getting some commentary on that isn't really in-depth, I don't have to teach about mm-hmm. the law, then 
I'll just sort of throw it out there and, and uh, you know, I'll send the show notes to all the guests beforehand and they can read over all the articles. That, sure. But it's maybe only three articles. Yeah, um, sure. A few so times. it's not a huge amount of prep, maybe 30 minutes just getting it together. Okay. And and because in interview, you already know who the people are you're talking to. You know a little bit about right. them and, and sort of what right. you're going to – okay. Um, and then the actual recording is anywhere up to about two hours so far, right? Right. right. <laughs> okay. What about post-production? Well, I don't do it like you. <clears throat> okay. I, uh, I add the theme song in later mm-hmm. and then I will cut up some <laughs> – I have the tendency to um and ah uh, a lot. And so there'll be some times where my brain just is not working. So mm-hmm. I definitely don't want to be customer facing with that or client facing okay. with something where I, I really am stumped. Mm-hmm. So there have only been a couple of times where I've had to edit out and it's just a few seconds. But yeah. it's something that and again, I'm I'm getting more used to my voice and hearing myself. Mm-hmm. So a lot of my vocal tics were driving me crazy in the first episode. Mm-hmm. They've been minimized in the next episode and hopefully yeah. – and I'm not hearing them now, which is good. <laughs> so so listening back to your episodes you think has helped you be a better speaker and Absolutely. podcaster? Okay, yeah. I, I mean, think, I think you, you cringe at first yeah. but then you understand what your failings are and you are mindful of them and I think you can really start to erase them. Yeah, and, and you're three episodes in. When you get 30 episodes in – well, this is episode right. 29 of this show. But you know, you get 10 or 15 episodes in even. You're going to start to have a different – perspective on all of this <clears throat> and uh Absolutely. and when you listen back to those first then you'll really cringe <laughs> <laughs> can't wait but it's a it's a good problem to have right exactly. because now you're so far beyond that exactly yeah. so what is it you think is the reason that podcasting is an effective tool for those of us that are marketing our law practices this way for so long and you get this attitude from some clients uh, lawyers are sort of seen as an other. They're sort of seen as very stuffy. I mean, there's so so many bad. I mean, there's a reason why there are books full of lawyer jokes because no one really likes us. So I think to humanize yourself and to uh, a become an authority while also being a human being that people can relate to, I I think that's a, a great a great thing to do. Okay. Um. So far, have you had any of the nightmare moments? <laughs> well, hmm. recording that got lost or didn't work. Yeah, or- well, no, and I, I was very afraid of that because I've heard many podcasts where uh-huh. the recording just disappears or something. I mean, m- my big nightmare moment was the first day when I was trying to get all that complicated setup ready and it wasn't working. And we were maybe an hour from recording. Oh, so wow. I went, I scrapped it all and went simple and it worked out perfectly. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, no. And then after recording that, <laughs> I went back and listened to it. And one of the guests was extremely loud and I was sort of in the middle and then the other one was very low. So mm-hmm. uh, because I wasn't individually changing their volumes, right. uh, I thought that was a huge problem. But I ran it through the Auphonic.com site mm-hmm. and it made him sound great. So. For, the, for those of our listeners that don't know about Auphonic, it is a Auphonic.com. It is an online audio i don't even know what to call it exactly it's sort of an audio assembly and cleanup tool you Mm -hmm. can even put your i don't know if you knew this you can even have your intro and outro um available uploaded to Auphonic and tell it okay here's the stuff that goes in between those things and it will assemble that for you i think i may take advantage of that next time see how (laughs) that works yeah i mean you know you hear on this show i start talking over the music as it fades out and stuff like that but if you don't need to have that kind of production going on and you can have a short intro and then bang, you know, start talking. It's actually a great tool. And it also, one of the things I love about Auphonic is that it actually uploads into your, 
I don't know. I don't think it does to Buzzsprout, but it does to Libsyn and Blueberry and some of the other hosting places. Um, so you can actually upload the file, start the, you know, create a recipe, essentially a preset, and, uh, you know, push, push go and forget about it. And next thing you know, your episode is on your host ready to be embedded in the website. And that's uh, great. Pretty cool. So, um, we teach a little bit about that in the law podcasting course and, and yep. uh, we'll talk about that more later. So, um, what about the, so nightmare moments? You, you, you've worried about it, but haven't experienced it yet. And I'm going to throw the word yet in. <laughs> it happens to us <laughs> all. Yet. Yeah, I know. Uh, what about, what about, uh, favorite moments so far? It's been a few, but a few episodes, but anything standing out? Yeah. Um, just being able to interact with people that I had worked with before uh, and seeing them get together, I think is, I don't know, it's very awesome, you know, because uh, there are two developers that I, that had not worked together, but had written about each other before. And it was nice to be able to get them both on the same show and sort of uh, trade their secrets about Kickstarter and crowdfunding and uh, raising money for their games. It was, uh, it was cool. It was nice to be able to, the one that could bring them together. So you became the connector and who knows what may happen with the two of them down the line. That's right. Very cool. That and that's a great role for lawyers to to have is as that connector because you become the go to person just when people are sort of looking for things to happen and and um, you know even if it's not specifically about your legal services you you uh, stand out and are remembered in that way. So yep, congratulations. That's good. Good. Thank news. you. So, do you recommend this medium as a tool for marketing as a law a lawyer? I absolutely do. Yeah, I think it's great. I mean. If you, hmm, you have to do it right. Like my, uh, like we, we talked about mine is kind of client facing. Um, I try to make it both legal and business so that they, they can relate. Listeners can relate to it. Um, so you have to, you have to find, and I know you talk about this in your course and in your podcast, uh, you have to find what you want to say, right? How are you going to speak to clients or who is your audience? Is your audience, your clients, is your audience, other lawyers for referrals, um, but I think if you figure that out, you can, anyone can do this. You can get over <laughs> having problems with your voice. You can get over anything, I think. Uh, if I can do it, anyone can. <laughs> Any uh, advice for a newcomer, someone just starting out in podcasting? Try to keep it simple. It's probably even, I know it's difficult to just sit there and talk, but it's actually the easiest way. You don't have to worry about the internet having problems if you're Skyping. You don't have to worry about the guest showing up on time or all these difficult recording uh, problems. You know, you just get in there, you just record yourself talking, you tell an interesting story, you can educate them on something. Um, I think that's the best way to start. I don't know if that's for everyone. Some people really get, uh, really perform well when they're interviewing someone else, and that's great. So, I, I guess the advice would be find what you do best and do that, but try to keep it simple. Okay. What have I not asked you about this topic, this stuff that, that you think I should have? Hmm. <laughs> well, uh, let me think. I promised you at the beginning I wasn't going to put you on the spot, and there I just did. <laughs> you put me on the spot. <laughs> yes. Um, it's okay. Maybe, maybe talk about goals, right? Yeah. So what's – What's what's my end goal? You know, I, I I do it. I do this because I like it. But what is my what is my reason for for podcasting? And, and and what do I plan to accomplish with it or hope to accomplish? And I will say that um, I'd like to increase my client base. Mm-hmm. I'd like to become more of an authority for games. I think uh, 
one of the coolest things is when someone will retweet what I've written and wow, this, you know, and they describe you as the game lawyer or the board game lawyer. And I say, well, <laughs> I started doing that myself mm-hmm. when I basically was fresh out of school. You know, I was nobody, but, you know, I faked it till I made it, right? Sure. I uh, became the game lawyer by doing that. And I think that's awesome when people start to pick that up. So my goal would be to be the game not lawyer, not a game lawyer. <laughs> that's yeah. that's a good goal. That's great. Yeah. Um, well, listen, this has been a terrific interview. It's been a lot of fun, and, and I have learned from you. I know you've learned from me as well, so that's yeah. nice. Thank you for that. I'm sure the listeners have gotten a lot out of it. And I just want to say I'm grateful. Thank you for joining me. I am also grateful. How uh, can folks reach job. you if they are interested in uh, learning more about you, listening to your show, all that? Give us the URLs. Okay. Here's the URLs. Uh, Streetbacklaw.com mm-hmm. is my main law firm website. Uh, the blog on there is the Game Lawyer blog. So okay. handily, you can go to GameLawyerBlog.com and it'll take you right there. Um, I travel. So I started a travel site, which turned into a... Here's law topics for bloggers and, and people who run businesses on the internet. That's a lawyerabroad.com. And the podcast is legalmovespodcast.com. Okay. That's great. <laughs> Thanks. Well, I want to say thank you to the listeners as well and ask them to please take a moment to send your comments and suggestions on the website at lawpodcaster.com. And a review in the iTunes uh, store would be very, very welcome, of course. And uh, that is about going to do it for this episode of the Law Podcasting Podcast. If you're interested in podcasting for your practice, please visit lawpodcasting.com and you can get our free law podcasting resource guide as well as a series of videos about lawyer marketing in general that I've created. And until next time, I'll say keep on podcasting. Podcasting.